You are listening to the In Context podcast. Today we have our special guest, Stephen Neal, pastor of Bethel Church Oldham, and he's a blogger and podcaster at Building Jerusalem. Most of you will know who he is, so I don't even know why I bothered doing that introduction. Uh, but anyway, great to have you, Steve. How are you doing, brother? Yeah, all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. Uh, we also have my trusty sidekick and associate at New Life Church, uh, Nathan Young. How are you doing, Nathan? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, I'm all right. Good. Are you impressed that I just called you Nathan today? No other names? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just call me, <laughs> just call me names behind my back. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's we we've had no conferences to go to, so I can't sign you in as the wrong person like I normally do. So I've had to do it via <laughs> podcast this time. But anyway, enough of Nathan, enough of me. Uh, great to have you, Steve. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, good. Thank you. Pressing on. How, how's uh, podcasting going on in these days? Are you enjoying it? Is it a lifeline to a mundane uh, <laughs> time of year? Yeah, it, I like it. it. I mean, it at least forces me to talk to somebody else at some point, do I? <laughs> I at least get to see them. Um, but yeah, it's 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 difficult, isn't it? I mean, probably the same for you guys. I mean, we can't get out and see people very easily. Um, can't really meet up with people as much as we'd like. So be, being able to be on a on a podcast or whatever is a bit of um, bit of social interaction for me is quite good. Mm. Yeah, that's what I found. A lot of people have asked, like, what's the point of a, another podcast? I think this podcast has been more for my sanity as <laughs> much as it's been for anybody who might listen to it. Uh, yeah, but one of the other answers I gave for, for doing another podcast is the fact that I'm not clever enough to write blogs or to write the books. So <laughs> the only way I can get my ideas across is by uh, interrupting people's airwaves and putting the podcast out. But what why I wanted you on board, Steve, was... Uh, I followed you for a, a number of years now. Uh, I didn't really know much about Oldham or who you were until I came onto Twitter, and I didn't know much about you or what you were doing until I was tagged into some debate you were having with somebody. Uh, it was about uh, churches in hard places. I can't even remember what it was, but you'd uh, quoted something that I'd said, and then somebody was having a debate with you, and then I jumped in, and uh, for a while, Twitter was quite argumentative. It seemed to be a big north-south divide and uh, a working-class, middle-class church divide. Uh, so that's how we met. Can you remember a couple of years ago, it was quite uh, yeah, it's fun. a lively place to be, wasn't it? More fun is what I thought. I mean, it was it's boring now, isn't it? Everyone's off and being nice and everything. It's, <laughs> it's much more interesting when everyone's having a go at each other, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I got banned off Twitter by my wife. So that's why <laughs> That's why I started the podcast so I can be on Twitter and say it's not actually me, it's the podcaster. <laughs> See, my, my wife's had a, had a go at trying to get me off there. It's normally like at certain flashpoints, do you know what I mean? She's like, why have you done this to yourself? Do you know what I mean? Your phone's going mental on your day off. <laughs> <laughs> but why, why do you think it was more fun and probably more argumentative a few years ago, Steve? What was the reason for... Uh, this constant back and forth between different pastors and churches regarding class and the North and the South. Uh, so, I mean, there are loads of reasons, aren't there? I mean, I think the, the main reason was there was a, a handful of us and let's be honest, there aren't that many of us working in deprived communities in, in the North anyway. Um, and I think, I think quite a few of us felt a, li a little bit forgotten, uh, I guess. Um, 
and I don't I don't think necessarily anybody had done that on purpose I don't think anybody was necessarily going oh we hate those guys and don't want anything to do with them I just think very often it's out of sight out of mind for people isn't it mm. um so my, my predecessor at, at our church said you know he, he didn't really have much contact with people he didn't really have a lot of um links with people he was he was in groups it wasn't like he wasn't trying but there wasn't anybody that close by to make uh, to have fellowship with and then in the, in the wider sort of national things that we were in he said you know we we just didn't get visits no one no one spoke to us we didn't we, and again i don't i don't think people were doing that on purpose it's just they didn't they didn't really do anything it's a bit a sad reality is sometimes a squeaky wheel gets the grease don't they so when you start getting forgotten you know you you try and make noise and you try and you know make make yourself heard and you know i think most people try that gently and most people try that um really sensitively um to begin with um but i guess as fewer and fewer people pay any attention do you know what i mean your frustration levels sort of rise up a bit do you know what i mean um so i i think when i read your story of how your church started and what you were saying um about how people were basically saying no one's going to come to Middlesbrough and you you start the church yourself that resonated (laughs) in a big way with us not not that I was planting a church I was coming into an established church but it's one that had been through quite a lot of change there'd been a bit of decline uh, and we needed people to come and help in in the ministry and there was just nobody putting their hand up to to come Uh, and yeah, I think then I met you and I met a few other people who were in a similar boat and the story could just be replicated again and again and again and again of, of isolation, people struggling, people not having the funds to function. I mean, m- most of the pastors I knew working in similar areas to us were genuinely worried they were about to close and there just wasn't any help coming. And I, I, basically it upset me. That, that was that was the bottom line. It upset me. Um not just for our sake, um, but but for other people's sake as well, because there there was the ability to help, um, and it didn't seem to be happening, and that and that riled me. Mm. Yeah, can can totally uh, empathise with that. Know exactly how you're feeling. That kind of not only resonates with me, but reminds me of my state of mind back when I first got onto social media. I'm not a fan of social media. Uh, a, because I'm not the wisest of people with my voice, never mind with my fingers. I've often put, been too hasty to say things. Um, but, yeah, I, I felt like I was a sellout because I was using social media to promote the work we were doing. It was essential. I was having to go at people more than I was putting things positive on. I think I gave the impression of... <laughs> People, I just fit the stereotype of the big, angry northern uh, skinhead who's just like aggressive. Uh, and, and I think sometimes my tone, people miss what I was trying to say because of my tone or how I was saying. Some of it was cultural, some of it was down to my sin and me being uh, too impulsive. Mm. Uh, but even through my mistakes, even through, uh, yeah, maybe he's not using Twitter to my best of my ability. It was essential in 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 getting a, a voice mm. and a seat at the table for, for us in Middlesbrough. Uh, and was that similar for you? Because a few people have said to me, "Look, 
we're your friends, we want to help, but you're always angry and you always seem to be having a go at me. And I'm like, well, nobody would have listened to me unless I took that stance because I tried being quiet and, and, and I tried writing letters and sending emails and no one's responded. So now I'm just going to jump on everyone's back who pretends to be interested in the North and in the working class and I'll say, prove it. Uh, and that got me some backlash, but it also got me listened to. Did you have a similar experience? Exactly the same. Um, I mean, like you, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I'm sure you feel the same. I don't like people thinking I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, and most of the time I'm, I'm not, I appreciate I write in quite a, quite a hard way sometimes mm. like me, me wife looks at what I write and says you know I wouldn't have said that you know so, yeah but <laughs> wouldn't say anything if I <laughs> <laughs> always did what you reckon but um yeah. I, I appreciate I've got my tendencies to be quite hard in my tones just just the way I'm built really um and I'm, I don't always mean it um but like you I worked it knowing that's my tendency I worked really hard not to sound like that and not to be like that and it just got us nowhere. You know, we got no, no interest, nobody doing anything. You'd occasionally meet people at things and you'd share with them what you were doing. They go, oh, that's nice. You know, you never hear from them again. Do you know what I mean? And that was, that was about it. And it was, yeah. I mean, I would say 90% of what's gone on more recently in our church, that's been really helpful and really valuable and, and stuff that I'm so grateful has happened pretty well all of that I think I can put down to being on Twitter having a blog and um getting our voice out there really and like you say I mean there there have been times that's that's got massive backlash for us but I mean again I think if you're built a certain way you you can take that some people can't cope with that and don't like it and they understand why they don't want to do it so I think they feel the same as I do on a lot of things but they they just can't cope with that sort of flack so don't want to do it for me, I mean, I can I can take quite a lot of flack. Do you know what I mean? So it's not a not a big deal. And I think from that sort of stuff, from people hearing what we're saying and hearing the issues, um, we we've had quite a lot of good response as well. As it's not all been you know bad and negative. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's it's generally been positive for us as a church being on there. And I, and I just I, I don't know. I I find it mad. Cause all I've ever done, as far as I'm concerned, is told the truth that's that's it and I always find it funny when people get angry <laughs> but you're telling as far as you're concerned the truth of what your context is and what your situation is and people don't like that do you know what I mean and like it's like you some people misunderstand your tone I mean we I remember we had a we had a Barney once didn't we with um what, one or two <laughs> <laughs> But I don't think we were that angry, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just think we were writing in a way that people thought sounded angry. And yeah. then when we met up, do you know what I mean? It, it was fine, wasn't it? It's not a, it wasn't a big thing as far as I was concerned. Um, maybe it's been, maybe it's been, I don't know, maybe you were crying home, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was the thing. I was getting personal messages saying, leave Steve alone. And I'm like, hang on, we're fine. We, we, we were on the phone half an hour ago. What are you going on about? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like you say, disagreeing with people and disagreeing with people in such a short amount of characters you, you can't be very nuanced and I think if you kind of get the person you're arguing with or debating with you forget that other people are watching don't understand maybe what's what's going on and it's an emotive subject that we're talking about what what I did what I discussed in, in another podcast was not so much falling out on, on Twitter because I don't think 
anything that we've said to one another has particularly hurt one another. But what I have noticed is, because uh, we were so, there wasn't much being offered to people like us. So what was offered, there seemed to be, everyone was fighting for it. Do you know what I mean? So I think there was a danger at one point of uh, the few churches in the north of England who were struggling, fighting over the scraps and and, and maybe he's uh, becoming even more isolated because of not wanting to share uh, or, or to work together. Uh, yeah, I think I think that was, was a danger. How, how do you feel about that? I, I think there could have been more done by, by bigger organisations to try and get us working together. What do you think the likelihood of that ever happening is? Or... Uh, is that a realistic aim or dream? And can you see the dangers of churches that should be supporting one another uh, <clears throat> ending up being in competition with one another? Yeah, I de definitely. I mean, I, I think it, whenever you're in ministry, it's it doesn't really matter whether it's people like you and me who are in, I mean, our contexts aren't identical by any means, but, you know, in deprived places, or it's, people like me and say someone in a in a wealthy leafy suburb somewhere in a quite well you know well resourced self-sufficient church i think the tendency for jealousy in the ministry is just always there isn't it mm. um so easy to look over your shoulder and go ah why haven't i got what they've got and it doesn't really matter who they are you know it, it could be like you or not like you or whatever um I just think that that tendency is there in all of us, isn't it? To get worried by that. Yeah. And I think that's really heightened when you're in a church that you think is struggling, isn't financially self-sufficient. You're, you're desperate for workers. You know that people don't know you. And so when you're really desperate and then you've got that sort of covetousness going on that basically affects everybody, yeah. You know that that's a really potent combination isn't it you know I'm, I'm desperate and everybody else is doing better than me that's not fair you know it's very easy to become self-righteous isn't it and you know well i'm i'm doing church the proper way you know and i'm <laughs> or whatever it is um and, and i think it's very easy to look over then other people who as you say get given something it doesn't really matter what it is you know it could be a worker it could be a bit of money it could be platform whatever you know, but as soon as someone else gets that, it's um, yeah, that all riles up, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, there's a joke that I think basically sums it up. You know, how many FIEC pastors do you think it takes to change a light bulb? <laughs> you know, it's it's all of them, isn't it? It's it's yeah. one to change the light bulb, and the rest of them to be going. That should be me up there doing that. You know, and that and that's basically how it operates, isn't it? We 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 see other people getting things. And if it's a wealthy church, we think, why are they getting more? They don't need it, and I do. And if it's someone who's like you, it's, well, why have they preferred them over me when, you know, I'm struggling as well and I'm, I'm pressing on? And I don't necessarily know what the solution to that is, because obviously there is a, there's a sinful element in, in that I should be glad when your ministry gets money. I should be glad when other people get workers. You know, and some on my better days, I am, <laughs> you know, but on on other days, I'm sitting there thinking, well, that, why not me? You know, why haven't we had that? And it's childish, but it's it's the sin that's there in all of us, isn't it? Um, but equally, the, the other problem is there is there is a lack of resource generally. So I think it's very tempting from where we're sat with no money, 
no not many people we look at bigger churches in wealthier areas and my natural assumption which i don't think is always right at all is that they must be loaded you know they must have endless resources and oh look they've you know they've built another extension on their building or whatever you know and they they could have you know chucked a bit of money in our direction i my suspicion is there's enough money to go around um but other people tell me there isn't other people tell me that there's there's not an endless pot of money that's available for the people my daughter's just wandered in what's up love <laughs> i just wanted to tell you if you'd like a game on mario kart together do i, do I want to play mario kart yeah i'd love to <laughs> awesome. all right <laughs> there we go i'm playing mario kart later that's my that's my evening sorted awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, I, I've just bought an Xbox to help me through lockdown, but I very rarely get to use it because the family's like taking it over. I have to watch Netflix off it or to play Minecraft. So, yeah, yeah. We, we got we got a switch. Then we can all uh, same same deal, really. It was lockdown. We were like, oh, we'll, we'll get the kids one for Christmas. But, you know, basically we, we want to play on it as well. So. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, so, so we were just chatting about like, not much to go around the tendency to to feel uh, either resentful of other people benefiting when we think we, we deserve it uh, yeah there is there is a sin element to that but there's a kind of unfairness as well that churches shouldn't be in this position because uh, i think it's the mission the idea of mission in our churches around is at fault not there being a lack of money uh, would would you agree? I think I think what's sinful is that we don't often, and I think this is true if you're in a wealthy church. This is true if you're in a poor church or wherever you are. A lot of us aren't very kingdom minded, in all honesty. Most of us, I think, are more. I'm loath to say about our empire because it's not necessarily about that, um, though in some cases it is. I, I think, but most of us are just concerned with what we're doing. You know, I'm doing this. I need this to work. I need this to flourish. Otherwise, I'm going to be out on my ear without a job. Or, um, you know, the gospel in my area that I care for isn't going to be going out. Or what, whatever the reason is, and some of them are slightly more godly than others. Um, but whatever it is, we're basically not very kingdom-minded, and we're not very good at celebrating the success. I think of other places, we are very quick to get jealous and covetous about that. And I, and I don't think that's unique to us in deprived communities. Um, I think we do it, but I don't think it's unique to us. I think there are bigger churches that are like that too. Um, so it, it, I think I think that's that's where the sin element comes in. We're not very kingdom minded, mm. um, but I think there is a hypocrisy that exists, and it exists in our wider culture because we we as a country, for example, are very wealthy. And you get a lot of people who look at the third world and go, oh, isn't it dreadful? You know, the, the poverty people live in around the world, isn't it awful? Well, the reason they live in that poverty is because we've hoarded all the resources over here, isn't it? Um, and, you know, the, the most we'll do is go, oh, I'll buy fair trade coffee or something then, isn't it? And you think, well, that's not going to do anything, is it? That, that's not going to help. Really, what needs to happen is a massive shift of resources from here to over there. But what we want to do is say, well, no, we want to maintain our standard of living. We want to maintain everything we've got. But wouldn't it be nice if they had it too, without us having to lose anything? Mm. Now, I think that's basically then what happens in the church as well, where people 
will look at us and go, we want to help. We want to support. Um, what can we do? Uh, and then ultimately they don't like the answer because the answer involves them giving up things that they don't really want to give up. Mm-hmm. So it, that can be money. I, I think though money is easy to get from people um, than people. If we, if we tried to get people to move, that's, that's where the rubber hits the road, I think. And people suddenly think if I give you money, I might lose, you know, a thousand quid in one hit. And that's that. If I give you a person, I've lost not only the work that that person is doing, but I've also lost the money that they give to the church as well. So I'm losing both. Um, and if I send you more than one, that's just more hits again. Do you know what I mean? And what people mean when they want to help is how can I help you without it having too big an impact on our standard of ministry or our standard of whatever we're doing? Um, and again, I think there are different things that drive that. Sometimes it's um, a desire to try and do ministry well there as well as in the places they're helping and they think that by giving things away that would diminish their ministry um but i think sometimes it's just this kingdom-minded problem we we don't we don't have a very good kingdom mindset and i think you know where where we're in danger is looking at their ministry and going that's going so well why can't you give any of that to us rather than going isn't it good that there's a brilliant ministry down in the southeast which there is you know there's loads of churches in the southeast um and i know people always say london's got more people and all of that but even per head of population there's more churches in london than anywhere else in the country and you think you know the the southeast is well stocked now it's easy to get annoyed by that but the fact is isn't it good that there are churches down there isn't it good that the people in the southeast can access churches you know it is isn't it it's it, that's a good thing but it's very easy to get jealous and, and angry about that because we're not kingdom minded but equally it's hard not to get frustrated when other people aren't very kingdom minded either <laughs> don't see the need to try and shift those resources to the places where there's there's more need and and i think that's where our frustration would turn over so I've, I've tried my hardest to uh, be appreciative that that we, we actually have a podcast uh, that, that will be on the week before this uh, called Posh People Need Jesus Too. And we're talking about how uh, we should be celebrating that uh, people who are in wealthier areas have churches, that they are being reached with the gospel. Uh, but our issue isn't with that. Our issue is when people think that they're, care about churches in the north or in hard to reach places by doing the equivalent of buying fair trade coffee and that's the things that the tokenism and people who maybe retweet something and think they're doing a great job or uh, think prayer is is all that is needed to be done mm. uh, or maybe it's might produce uh, an article once every five years on uh, poverty and the church and these were the things that would often provoke my most uh, harshest response uh, i didn't always do it in the right way but i think it needed pointing out that tokenism isn't going to change the imbalance within the church isn't going to reach these hard to reach places and that uh, fair trade coffee might soothe your conscience but it doesn't solve the problem and uh, can you understand and empathize with some of my frustration there with these uh, like the equivalent of buying fair trade coffee in the church yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that, that's that's ultimately what what annoyed me. I mean, I I think the the English church. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna start getting on a <laughs> on a soapbox in a minute, and I'll get in trouble for being angry again. 
But I really do. I think the English church particularly should be embarrassed and should be shamed that people like you and me have had to go to America and have had to go to other countries and ask them for cash and ask them for people. Um, and we talk about people having to cross cultural barriers. I mean, I've got some people with me now who are from the deep South who are Trump supporting, <laughs> you know, uh, folks from Alabama originally. And, and I think in many ways, they're not culturally anything like the people in our area. Um, there'll be, there'll be crossover as with anything, but they're not, they're very, very different. And actually we talk about the cultural divide from the South to the North, but someone from the South of England has probably got more in common <laughs> with someone from the North of England than someone from a different country. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we, we should be embarrassed that we're having to reverse engineer missionaries to our country because the English church won't do it. Yeah. And I, and I don't, I don't see a way around being angry about that because pe people talk about oh, getting angry, you seem aggressive or whatever. I don't think we're being aggressive. I, I actually think we're, we're just telling the truth. We're just saying what the situation is, why it's the way it is. And when you say it, people really don't like it. Mm -hmm. and, when, and when it boils down to, I mean, I've had this conversation a hundred times with people that go, oh, you're being a bit mean, you know, you're being mean. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, well, what do you want me to say? I mean, I've, have you sent us any money? Have you sent us any people? Have you prayed for us in, in your prayer meeting within the last six months? Mm -hmm. Have you phoned me up and asked us what we're doing? So you have any clue about the issues that we're facing in the church. And when they go, oh, no, we've not done any of that. I say, well, how am I being mean then? All, all I've really said is you've not done any of that, mm -hmm. you know, and even prayer that doesn't cost you anything. You still haven't done that. Have you, you know, you, you'll, we, we frequently get told I'll pray for you. And I've, I've come to realize that statement is the prayer, mm. you know, the, so you, you often don't even get that. Mm. And, and I think we, we should be ashamed of that really, mm. you know, because we, we should be looking to see people having access to local churches. And, and the thing that really riles people and I don't, I never know whether it's the right thing to say or not, but again, I just think it is true, is that this decision that we are we are making, this this approach to the church that we have, it is condemning people to hell. It is it is saying we are not going to put a church in their midst. We're not going to put people who can share the gospel with them anywhere near them. We are not giving anybody or certain groups of people access to gospel preaching churches. And we're fine with that because we don't really want to lose some cash or we don't really want to encourage people to move. We don't really want to do anything more than, as you say, maybe retweet an article that made me feel a bit guilty. You know, that that's, that's where we're at, I think. Um, and, I, and I get, I, that's what I get told is mean. That's what I get told is unkind. But when it boils down to it and I ask people, what can I say then that is true that isn't that? there's nothing and and so my choice i'm being told is either say what i say in the way that i say it and get called mean or say nothing at all <laughs> they're, they're my they're my options and <clears throat> one of the things which frustrated me was i felt that people wouldn't listen to me uh, 
you you describe yourself as a bit of a hybrid. You don't fit in with the middle class or the the, the working class. But I felt you had an advantage over me in the fact that you were probably more academic than me. Mm. Uh, so you could could write better. People would read your things more than me. Uh, you had access to EN and things like that. Yet still, you've been seen as aggressive, uh, and and took a long time for people to listen to you. And then we have people like Andy Prime who who did a talk and said exactly the same things that we'd been saying for years. And like, oh wow, that's amazing. And I'm like, I've been saying that for ten years. <laughs> He's just said it in a posher accent with bigger words than me. <laughs> Why are you listening? And, and the same thing can happen with, with, with Nathan. When Nathan shares what I've been sharing, uh, people are like, oh, wow, that's profound, as if it's like the first time it's ever been said. Why do you think that different people from different cultures can get the same message across in a way that maybe it's me and you can't? I mean, it's the contextualization that we talk about all the time for our community, isn't it? Why, why is it that, you know, if somebody comes from uh, a posh church in the South into my area, do they not always connect with people in, in my area? It's because they don't, they don't understand how the people operate. They don't understand how the people tick. And so they can't speak to them in the, in the appropriate ways that are going to land. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, for good or ill, I mean, you're, you're right. I'm, I'm more academic than you. So I can write in a, in a way that, for whatever reason connected with certain people still upset them though when i when i did it <laughs> because apparently we don't like the truth you know we don't like we don't like people telling us that we're not doing a great job at something you know what what people were hoping i think when they asked me to talk about these things is that i basically say well we're doing really well on these areas here and we're doing really well here um but you know, here are some you know little things we can we can improve uh, and if we if we do that everything will be great you know and when i didn't do that it, it just upset everybody um and when i was pushed on it all that came back was a lot of justification <laughs> all the time as to why really you know we're we're doing better than you think we are you know and and all I can say is, but you're not here, you know, um, you're, you're not here. And I, I see how well we're doing where I am and, and you're not here. Um, and I, I mean, we, we have to be fair now, don't we? I mean, there, there's been more movement on that since, you know, this, this was, we're talking a few years ago now where, when nothing was happening and I've been really grateful. Um, I think the FIC particularly have, have made moves to, to do stuff that's been genuinely helpful. Um, and they have work to try and get people to move um you know with limited success but they've they've done things to try and make that happen they've they've tried to move money to places where it's been needed um again it's limited in by by its nature but i mean there, there are things happening that are helpful so, i mean there are good things i think i think where we we can have a danger is is in not acknowledging that because because all of our problems haven't been fixed by that our, our danger can be to turn around and go, nothing's happening still. And that's not true either. Mm. There are things that are happening that are helpful. It's just they haven't totally resolved everything. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think I, so I've got writing, but I think you're better at networking than I am. You see, I think you're far better at, at when you're with people, you know, um, making friends with them. You know what I mean? And, and then responding well to you. So, I mean, we, we've just got different skills. You know what I mean? And some people will respond to you in person in a way they won't to me. And some people will respond to me in writing that they won't to you, mm -hmm. you know? And I, 
I mean, I've just come to accept that's because we're different people, and that's and that's fine, isn't it? Um, but yeah, be, being a being hybrid like me tends to mean you just upset everybody, <laughs> so you don't quite you don't quite fit in with the middle class people because you don't you don't really talk like them and you don't really think like them. But then the working class people, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I'm not properly working class either. Do you know what I mean? And, and so I'm I'm kind of different to that as well. So you, you you kind of sit between the stools a little bit and end up upsetting everybody. But then because I know I do that, then it doesn't really bother me that much. I'm going to upset when I say stuff. So I don't I don't tend to check myself too much when I say it. And again, you mentioned something a couple of minutes ago about how we have to acknowledge the changes, which I think sometimes because we are feel like we're in a slog that we don't often stop and reflect and see how much God has done and how much mm. uh, the church has changed over the last few years. And just mentioning the likes of Andy Prime, who could have chosen any church in the country uh, to become a pastor of, I think most churches would have welcomed him with open arms. Uh, and yet he chose to plant a church in Grace Mount, a council estate in, in Edinburgh. Uh, we've got Nathan, with us this morning from from Cheltenham, he's got two degrees. Again, could have had the pick of most churches, uh, north, south, or wherever, uh, and yet chose to come and, and train, uh, even with two degrees, to be on uh, uh, be self funded and, and train on a council estate. He's now associate pastor, and then we've got Sam uh, with you in Oldham. Same thing, trained at Oak Hill, and now he's serving in the North of England. So there has been great strides. Uh, I've been invited to speak at uh, the Hub Conference. The FIEC have been wonderful. Acts 29 have now got church in hard places. Uh, Mes McConnell and Matthew Spandler-Davison are doing a, a great job with that. But uh, I think with the support we get, we, we've got quite a few partners uh, in the south of England now, which we wouldn't have had uh, a few years ago. Uh, so how do we continue to uh, speak the truth <laughs> and say, look, this is just the start without sounding unappreciative because uh, I think there's a danger of thinking, oh, do you know what? We are okay now. We've got a few partners. We'll just crack on. But the north of England's huge. It's bigger than Oldham, Bethel or New Life, Middlesbrough. How do we get out that there's a massive need still and more needs to be done without out offending those who are our friends? Well, I think, I think we need to take a step back from that anyway because I, I think there was a period of time where... You'd get somebody like Mez, for example, who you and I would want to support what Mez is doing. I think what Mez is doing is really good. Yeah. But there'd be a time when there were organisations who would have Mez say something or do something or they'd help Mez. And yeah. that was deemed, we're now helping. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that problem sorted. And yeah. I think that danger still exists. So yeah. I think, you know, they're now helping you. They're helping me that there are other people they're helping as well. And I think that's really positive. And I think that's really good. And I think we, we tell the bottom line is we tell the truth, don't we? <laughs> so you go, look, is that helping? Yes, it is. You know, uh, have FIEC helped financially? Yes. Have they helped with people? Yes. Are there others doing that? Yes. So all of that stuff is happening. And I think to be truthful, you have to acknowledge that. And to be truthful, you have to say, not only is it, helpful but it's actively good and we are grateful for it but at the same time telling the truth means saying but that hasn't fixed the problem i mean i look at um greater manchester you know and the north and east of greater manchester doesn't have many churches many gospel preaching churches 
uh, whereas the South and the West have, have more. Um, and, and you can guess why. Um, and if you go to other sort of deprived mill towns around Lancashire, there aren't many churches. And then you go, and that's that's just in Lancashire, but I mean, if you go up to the Northeast, I mean, it's about as barren as it gets. You know what I mean? There's not, there's not, I mean, I'm talking further north than you. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's not very much there. Um, and the idea that helping you or helping me of itself fixes everything it, well it well it doesn't does it but again that comes back to this kingdom mindset because now what you and i have to do is say you know yes we've had help but we need to be kingdom minded as well don't we and so we need to say look how are we going to help get churches in places like ashton and, and burnley and, and places further north and in, in the northeast or, or wherever how, how are we going to do that because in in my view I think, generally speaking, it's not the FIEC that plant churches and it's not denominations that plant churches, it's churches that plant churches. Right. And so I think when people want to help us, when, yeah, I think that's great and I think we need help and we still need help. Our problems aren't all resolved now, but we've got more help than we did. But when people help us, are we then saying, right, how are we going to help other people? So, you know, we've, we've just planted a church in Rochdale, for example, you know, uh, where... Well, the, the, there was a church in the borough in a different part of the borough in a town uh, outside of Rochdale. But Rochdale town itself had no, had no um, sort of Bible preaching church there. So we we stuck one in there. Now, they're going to need a lot of support. We've, we've basically got them going for about a year, you know, <laughs> so we're gonna, and a year of a church isn't going to save the whole of Rochdale, is it? So, so, so before we move on how could churches support that church in rochdale what's needed the same as what's needed for any church isn't it it's people and it's money and it's prayer um so the easiest thing you can do is sign up to their prayer letter and say how can we pray for them and do that and speak to them regularly about what they're doing and how you can pray for that uh you can send them cash and say how can we keep you going uh for beyond that year that you've got funds for or say, how can I rearrange my life so I can go and be part of that? I mean, the fact is, we're, we're quite fortunate here. Um, I mean, it hasn't it hasn't really worked to our advantage yet, but it should do, which is we've got Manchester on our doorstep. Do you know what I mean? If you're if you're a big city banker in London or if you're a recruitment consultant down wherever it is you are, you, you can get those jobs in Manchester. And we're only a tram ride away, you know, we're half an hour away. Um, and for most people, that's a short commute these days. So I think theoretically, places like Rochdale and Oldham should be easy to say, could I move there? Could I, could I get my job transferred up to there? And could I do it in Manchester and live in Rochdale or Oldham and be part of that church? I think that's a, that's a question I think people need to ask themselves more seriously than they often do. And I don't think it's that hard to do because, I mean, it's... We people don't realise what it's like here a lot of the time. I mean, you, I don't know whether you've had comments like this, but we we've had people who like look at Alden, particularly Glodick, and they're like, "Oh, it must be like being in Aleppo." That you know, <laughs> and I think it's not really. <laughs> you know, I mean, we have we have running water and <laughs> and the internet and that. You know, I mean, it's not, <laughs> and you know, we're not we're not being bombed. It, it's yeah. it's quite quite normal. Do you know what I mean, it's just people have this image in their head of, of what it's like without having seen it. And I think if they 
if they rec recognize, do you know what? I can live in a house. <laughs> I can go to a school. I can do my work from where I am. I can commute on a tram. I can keep me car. I've got, it's not like I'm giving up that much. You know what I mean, to be there. It's just my living costs get cheaper. You, you know, you, you can, you can move yourself, can't you? If you're inclined. And I, I just think what we need, and I'm not talking one or two people who are seen as sort of special exceptions to this. I think we need a mass movement of people from the southeast to other regions of the UK where they're going to go and help and support churches in those regions so that we can reach everybody. Well, Nathan, you you were one of those types of people who have relocated to uh, the northeast of England. You've uh, answered the call. Uh, yeah, we discussed a little bit last week about not everyone it is called that posh people need jesus too and that having the ministry in the southeast is a valid ministry uh, so how how can we attract people what what should we be doing to attract people like you to the north of england i think one thing that you were talking about much earlier on that that you've just kind of kind of skipped over is is that social media aspect of things that is part of the reason that you now have this voice. So for for, for both churches, we're, we're relatively well known, but that's because of, but that's basically because both of you have, have, you know, made contacts with people, done networking basically through Twitter and through blogging and all of that side of things. And I think that's that's quite interesting, isn't it? That like you have tried to, to do things, you tried to get your, your story heard through the through the kind of traditional means and where those voices haven't been heard then you've had to take to to social media as a as a way of getting those voices heard um and now that yeah and now you do kind of have those voices being heard um yeah i think that's it's, it's kind of a different a different ball game isn't it but i think that's still a big part of it is still getting not just our voices out there but other people's now as well and i think like this podcast is a is a real way of doing that of, of getting people aware of the need i think that's the first thing isn't it getting people aware of the need um like, like steve said people down south might not be aware of even many of the places that need churches let alone uh do you know what i mean i think a lot of people in the south of england just kind of think oh the north there's like there's Manchester and there's Leeds and there's Newcastle and, and that's it. There's like three places. Um, well, I know there's a, I know there's a church in Manchester and I know there's a church in Leeds and I know there's a church in Newcastle, so it can't be that bad. And do you know what I mean? They, they haven't heard of any of the places that Steve's talking about in greater Manchester or any of the places around where we are in Middlesbrough or any of the, the, you know, the pit towns in Yorkshire or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of places that need, churches to be planted so i think just getting that awareness out there first of all the an awareness of the needs um is, is massive and i think yeah we need to do that i guess through the more traditional ways that people find out about things uh and also i guess through through social media which is what you guys have been doing for for a while so um, what, what convinced you nathan to, to move because go Going from where, where you're from up to Middlesbrough, it's not, it's not a normal move for people, is it, Na naturally? So what was it that made you go, do you know what, that's definitely for me, 
because what worked for you might be something that would tap in to what would convince other people. I think for me, it's, it's, it's two main things. I think for me, there was, yeah, just an awareness of the need, I think would be the first thing. Um, yeah, just the, the fact that, that there are, yeah, I'd become aware a long time before I'd kind of heard of New Life Church Middlesbrough, I was aware of the needs of churches in, in housing estates, particularly in the north of England. Um, so that was kind of something that had, had already been in the back of my mind. So yeah, I was aware that, that people were needed. Um, and then I think the second thing was in terms of, like I was kind of looking for, for training opportunities. So I'd got, um, I had a, a theology degree, but like purely academic, no kind of practical training. So I was looking for some kind of on the ground training. Um, and the thing is, like, there's a lot of opportunities out there. But if you're looking at like, you could go to a big church with hundreds of people and, you know, you're just stacking chairs every day of the week or making cups of tea, which is which is fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with with, you know, with those kinds of programs. But that wasn't what I wanted to be doing. So for me, I thought I'd much rather go to a, a small church with like a, a dozen people where you'll get opportunities to preach, you'll get opportunities to, to lead Bible studies, uh, to meet people, to be involved in, in personal discipleship. And um, so, so to me, I think that was, yeah, that was a, a real kind of, yeah, that was a real positive for me in terms of, of moving to Middlesbrough was actually, you can get some, some real, real good experience on the ground that you might not be able to get in um, in a more in a larger church or a more middle class church where you might just be told oh you're you're going to be working with the students for the next two years and that's all you do um, so why do you think so few people seem to have that same mindset then because you, you've gone I, I want to get into somewhere where I'll be trained which is smaller more practical um, you know all the, all the things that you've been able to do in in Middlesbrough why do you think more people aren't doing that and quite a lot of people are, are happy to say actually I'm, I'm all right at the the 100 or 200 strong church and I'm, I don't mind stacking chairs for a bit <laughs> that's that's fine for me it's not what I'd want to do but I mean what why did why do you think there aren't more people taking that decision that you did uh I don't know um how, how cynical should I be with this answer um imagine yeah, you're know. me and be that cynical <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't know I I think people are attracted to people are attracted to to big churches and to success aren't they like you talked earlier about how we're not kingdom minded and i think often we can be like success minded can't we mm. and i think that's that's the th and that so that's why people don't want to hear the stories of our churches because they don't want to hear stories about failures um do you know what i mean so so that's why at every christian conference it's always you know it's always a mega church pastor who's who's speaking at it and you hear stories of what local churches are doing but it's always a church that's had a had a good year it's never a church that was you know about to fold because they ran out of money mm. um so pe people want to hear positive stories and people want to go to churches where things seem to be happening um and that, you know that's that's kind of just how it is uh, and to be we might benefit from that in some ways because 
you know, I joined when we were struggling, but hopefully as things start to pick up, then we might kind of gain a bit of momentum and people might join us. But I think hopefully people will be drawn by the vision of what we're trying to achieve more than more than what we've got right now. I think that that's what draws a lot of people is is having a, a vision for the future. Like nobody wants nobody wants to go to a small church just for the sake of it. Nobody wants to go to a struggling church for the sake. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You wouldn't have gone to Old and Bethel, I'm sure, Steve, if you didn't think I I can make changes here. I can turn this around. Um, That's I don't know. Is, is that true? View. <laughs> <laughs> surely, when, surely when you went, you must have had a like. You you thought to yourself, I need other people to come and help, but I can I can make a change here. I can make a difference. You didn't go and think, are oh, they on the you know. They might be closing any day now. This is a this is a great opportunity for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I so I've I've never really been bothered by big. I've never really been in big churches. So that the one I came from was doing quite well actually, where where I was in in Manchester. Um, but in reality, most most of my life, I've not been in in big churches. Um, so I I'm sort of fine with that as a, as a setup anyway. Um, it's probably fair to say I, I knew there were some issues at, at Bethel before I got here, but I, I, I think it's also fair to say I probably didn't know the scale of them okay. <laughs> until I was here. In in all honesty, um, so I sort of knew bits, and I knew I knew there'd been some issues, and I, I knew I knew I knew stuff. You know what I mean? That that people had said, and those things were all true. That you know, no one was mm. no one was trying to you know, soft soap or anything like that. But it was, it, I just didn't quite realise, I guess, the scale of, of what was what was going on. Um, and in all honesty, I wasn't even looking to go into ministry when I came. So I, I was asked if I wanted to be the minister. And as far as I was concerned, that came entirely out of the blue. And I didn't know anyone was looking at me and I wasn't looking at a job. So that that's how that came about really um so we the the minister who was here before me was retiring and i didn't i didn't know that at the time but folks from the church i was at were kind of dispatched off to go and do some preaching to help them out um you know whilst he was sort of taking a step back i just i, I don't know what i, I assume i just assumed they were a little church who needed help with um with preaching and I, so i was glad Frankly, I was glad of the opportunity to go and preach. Uh, I, I like preaching, so that was that was good for me. Um, so I went and did that a bunch of times, and then yeah, next thing I know, they're ringing up and offering me a job, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> 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 that, was, that was it really. Um, and then uh, I, I basically tried to find reasons not to go because I, th I thought it was I thought it was stupid that they were asking me. Um, so I, I went and asked me i had spoke to our elders and said if you think this is a bad idea i won't do it and they were like no no we, we think it's good uh, and I, I spoke to a few other people i trust and said if you think this is a really bad idea <laughs> i won't do it and they're like no we all think it's good i was like all right then um and then i spoke to my wife and i thought she definitely won't go for it because she's well posh <laughs> <laughs> so that's like you know you, you like it where we are we're, we're in a church full of people like you um <laughs> you, you'll be all right uh, she'll definitely say no and she was like no no i think it's good um so yeah we that was that was how it came about really um i mean the, the one thing i had going for me 
before I got there was I, I had a very, very clear sense of my ecclesiology and, and what, a, what a church should be and how a church should operate um, and that sort of thing, which I didn't realise at the time how important that would be. I just kind of had the, had this clear sense of how, how churches should operate for, for one reason or another. Um, but that has been massive since being here and i've come to see that's actually really really vital everywhere is having a very very clear ecclesiology uh, that that was about all i had going for me when i got here really and i basically laid out before they appointed me what i saw as being a healthy biblical model for church and what what wasn't happening at the time and what i thought needed to happen and i was very clear if you don't want to do this if you don't want to go in this direction you know that's fine but i'd find somebody else to be your pastor because I'm, I'm not going to be the guy to do it for you um and they all said yeah, yeah yeah fine um and so i started doing the things that i said i would do and then people started getting upset that i was doing them and then i said but you appointed me <laughs> very clearly when i said i was going to do this and all i'm doing is that and most of the people in the church said that yeah that's what he said that's what he's doing <laughs> that's that's fine uh, and there was some people said, well, we don't like it and got off. And, I, you know, that, that happens. Um, yeah, so it, that that's kind of the story of how it happened, really. Um, I, I was basically very naive, didn't know what I was doing. but had an OK ecclesiology, really. That's that's about the, the thrust of it. Yeah, so both me and Steve accidentally fell into this. You're the only one daft enough to choose to do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think I'd have, I'd have chose to do this if I was uh, down south uh, and in another church, because uh, I definitely wouldn't have <laughs> chose it if I knew what I was getting myself into anyway. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm glad I didn't because uh, we, we have a church. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to have to end shortly. My daughter's been in and reminded me that we're going to have a walk around the park. Steve trumps me by getting to have a game of Mario Kart. I get a walk around the cold <laughs> Northern Park. But uh, it's been awesome chatting with your brother. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully we can do it again because uh, we haven't even touched on half the things I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, hopefully next time we can discuss actually what your context looks like well, uh, and, and some of the struggles that you've gone through as a pastor. Obviously, we have the added struggles of trying to be uh, promoters and finances and fundraisers. Uh, that's just one aspect of our role, but it'd be really interesting to see what life on the ground in Oldham is like as a pastor, because it's completely different to, well, there's some similarities, but quite different mm. uh, to, to what we're doing in Middlesbrough. But I'd just like to say thanks, Steve. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Nathan, uh, for your input. And thanks for listening to the In Context podcast.